Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. But we're going to get we're going to get somewhere today. While I was on vacation, first week we were on vacation, I thought I had wrapped up preaching out of Colossians. As a matter of fact, I played you, made you guys a little video. We were at kids' camp the last Sunday before I went on vacation, and so you saw a piece of video, and I thought I was done. First week we were on vacation, I was reading back through Colossians chapter 4. God took me to one line in there, we're going to read it here in a minute, that, that kind of brought me back around to it. You know me, I, I have need of reminders in my life. I had to remind myself of what appointments are on my calendar. I had to remind myself of what tasks I need to get done in a day. I got little things on my iPad, my iPhone, and my computer that simultaneously all go off at the same time telling me, don't forget to do this. I'm so dense sometimes, I need to remind that I have to go home for dinner. And you, think, you guys laugh. That's not, that, is, that is absolutely the truth. I have a little alarm on my, on my, on my stuff that it's at just the right time in case I get knee-deep in something, which I do at times, and I forget what day it is, what time it is, what I'm supposed to do. I forget. You can ask the staff. There are days I forget to eat lunch. It's honest truth. They, they, know, they know to call me and ask me about it now these days. And I forget things. Sometimes I forget important things like doing a date night with my wife. Sometimes I forget really important things like making sure each of my kids gets individual attention. I need reminded of really why I'm here and what I'm doing and where I need to go. I need that. I think a lot of us are like that. Sometimes life, life can get really muddy. Sometimes it can get really intense. A lot of, a lot of us need, need, need things so that we, we know where we're going and what we're doing. We need reminders as we walk this journey of life of what really our priorities ought to be, what really is important, and why God created us in the first place. We need to keep important things in front of us. The water gets muddy at times because life gets really complicated. While we were in Florida, there were a couple of days where um, the weather was not, not exactly uh, pristine. Is that a good word? Not bad for a good dude from Southern Ohio and Chillicothe, is it? Pristine. It wasn't the best situation. A little overcast, a lot of wind, some rain in the area. Therefore, the, 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 the Gulf of Mexico was really getting stirred up. Um, in fact, there were some riptide rip, rip warnings um, uh, going on at the, where we were at, and so we couldn't get in the water. And you'd find at, at those times that the water is just, becomes kind of mucky. There's seaweed and there's silt and there's all sorts of stuff and, and you can't see where you're walking and different stuff like that. And so we found that then there, were, there were a couple of days where just everything just evened out, calm and easy. Where we stay on Madeira Beach, if you follow Patrick on Twitter, you're going to see a picture of Madeira Beach this morning. He was kind enough to make me feel jealous and tweet a picture looking out from the same place we were sitting at a couple weeks ago. Thanks, bro, anyway. I'm a beach dude all the way, I'm just saying. And there were a couple of days where we go, there's, there's the, you walk into the water, and as you walk out, depending on where the tide's at, you can keep walking, walking, walking. The water will come up, come up, come up, come up, come up, come, come up, up, up. And then all of a sudden, you will find yourself at a sandbar. And it starts going down, 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 down. And sometimes, depending on where the tide's at, it's only ankle deep. It's kind of cool. Some days, like those days when the water's really kind of stirred up, 
you can't see the bottom. There were a couple of days, no matter how high the water got up on my chest, I could look down, I could still see my feet walking. I could see every place where I was planting my feet. What happens when we keep our priorities straight, when we keep things on what God says to keep things on, we find two things. We find steady footing to walk on, and we find that things are pretty clear. Life makes sense. When things get muddy, life doesn't make sense anymore. And sometimes we find ourselves in need of a great deal of encouragement to keep the, the main things the main things. And Paul in Colossians feels the great need as the apostle of God's church who planted many churches to not just send a, a letter just to a group of people in a, a town called Colossae. He feels the need to send a very personal, very public, and a very pointed message it's all of 15 words long. The New Living Translation, we're going to read it right here. Uh, Colossians 4, 17. And he says these words. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Period. A very personal, but yet a very public and a very pointed message. Who is Archippus? How's that for a name anyway? I bet he loved his folks. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Archippus, what does, you know, of all the names on the planet you could have chose, I get to be called Archippus. Now, in, in scriptural times, names meant something. Archippus, his name literally means, check this out, horse master. He served in some capacity training horses. Maybe he was just a stable boy. We really don't know really what his role was. But here's the deal. He was just somebody. Maybe for those we think he's just nobody. We don't even know who he is. We don't know where he came from. And the point is, God wanted for some reason to get a message across to this one guy. He, He would have Paul speak to an entire group of people and say to one guy one specific message. There's a lot of conjecture about who Archippus might have been. They really believe he was probably the leader of the church at the time. He was probably of the household of Philemon. You guys know the, the, the book of Philemon in the scripture. It was probably some there. And, and, and for whatever reason, there was some discouragement that had come to Archippus's life. And, and God felt the need to publicly go, dude, stay on track. Be, he just gave him a real personal message. There's some conjecture about why he needed encouragement. I read several things uh, about his life, and, and they think maybe, they think maybe he, he was the stand-in leader for a guy named Epaphras who had started the church in Colossae, who was currently traveling with Paul, and they, they kind of, he said, you're in charge while I'm gone, take care of things, and they kind of think maybe at some point in time, things kind of blew up at the church. Or there was some, 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 some other thing, there was maybe some persecution from outside forces. Some of them think maybe there was something going within the family. There's all kinds of conjecture. The point is this. Dude was in his rough place. Probably didn't know which way to turn. And probably at some, probably at some point during the journey, he thought, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm done. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever felt like, dude, I am just through? For all practical purposes today, look at your neighbor and say, hey, dude, you're Archippus. Look at him. Or do that, as the case may be. You're Archippus. Look at him and say, listen, God's got something for you today. Got a real important message for you. But tell him too, he's got one for me too. 
Because so many times in church circles, we think, we think the message is for somebody else. Nope. It's for all of us. He said, say. He, Paul tells the congregation, say to Archippus. You know, many times we need encouragement from God. And many times the way God chooses to encourage us is through those that are around us. I would, I would dare say most of the time. Most of the time, we get encouragement from those who are nearest to us. Most of the time, we have a, 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 a crazy interaction with some store clerk at some, and all of a sudden, there's something they say to you, and you go, where did that come from? Sometimes you get just the right text message, or just the right email, or just the right phone conversation, or just the right this, and at just the right moment, at just the right time, blam, words come in that make all the difference in the world. Most of the time, God, you, and here's what we have to do. We have to put ourselves in a position that when God chooses to use us like that, we need to be there. God takes time to look at a whole congregation of people and say, you be this. You say this. Can I encourage you? Something we have to do at this moment is be really sure of our timing and our words. Don't take anything for, for granted. Don't take any circumstance for granted. We, we have to be sure that, that we are saying things well. The Bible would tell us this, that the power of life and death are right here. Right here. The most powerful weapon probably we will ever yield in our, wield in our entire life is this one right here. Talking about that, that, that video on the screen about getting people involved in children's ministry. You know what happens in there? Kids get talked to about the things of the Lord. Kids get encouraged. Kids get prayed for. And all that starts right here. We have, to be, we have to be really aware that how powerful this thing right here is. We have to be really aware of how strong it can, it can bring damage, how difficult it can make life for other people. We have to realize how encouraging and how powerful it can be when, it, when it's used at just the right time, at just the right place, to just the right person. Power of life and death right here. Here's what I would tell you. So many words Paul would say kind of over and over again through the epistles he wrote. Only use words for encouragement. Uh-oh. Just got really quiet up in here, didn't it? Huh? Only use words for encouragement. Well, prove it to me, Aaron. Okay, let's do that. Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do or say... Is that pointed enough? Do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Now listen, if you can't say it and represent Jesus well, shut your mouth. If you can't do it with thanksgiving, keep it quiet. How about this one? And whatever you... Okay, so then, let's aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. That should be our aim. Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul or abusive language. Those are not my words, but I think they're great ones. Do, don't use foul or abusive language. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. 
Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. That seems pretty straightforward, doesn't it? 1 Thessalonians 5.11, so encourage each other and build each other up, just as you're already doing. So it's pretty, pretty, pretty consistent across Paul's writings. He's encouraging us that what we say matters, how we use our words matter, and the most important, the way we ought to use our words is words of encouragement, edification. Well, somebody say, well, you know, somebody need to be told what to do. Yeah, but they need to be told in love. And there's a right way, there's a wrong way to call somebody on something. And you can call somebody on something and still be encouraging all at the same time. It's true. You can. It's hard. At times. You know what, what Johnny, where's Johnny at? Where's Johnny? Johnny's cutting transparency. You know, he used to do honking the horn and throwing his hands up behind the wheel. Where'd he go? Huh? Is he hiding from me now? He's like, dude, I'm not. Oh, there he is. He's like, dude, I'm not here. No, but here, here's the deal. We're all in this together. The, the, the point of grace is this. We all need it. For God so loved who? The entire world. And we don't get to do anything because we earned it. We get to do everything we get to do. You know why? Because Jesus earned it. And that never changes. It doesn't matter how many years you've walked the journey, how, many, how much time you've given to ministry. You, you have never earned the right to treat people less than the person who's, va- who's valid and walking with salvation, ever. And sometimes we want to call somebody on something and we think we need to do it and we don't know that they're at a pivotal moment and we don't do it in love and bam, we knock them right off the course. Woo! The Bible says one day we as followers of Christ will stand before Jesus and we, we will have to give an account for every idle word. And what's the significance of that? Well, I thought we were already saved. We are, but here's the deal. Rewards will be dished out in accordance to what happens at that meeting. I would say this, if you just want to make it by the skin of your teeth, just keep talking the way you're talking. Is the pastor allowed to say that? I I intend to get there, and really, honestly, as long as I get there, I'm kind of okay with it. But at the same time, I intend to drag as many people with me as I can. I intend that there would be mature followers of Christ caught up in the, tr- the, the parade that marches in there. And the only way I can ensure that that happens is to be careful how I encourage and that I encourage at all. Some of you have come to church here forever and you sit in a pew and you never bother to extend a hand to anybody else. That makes no sense to me. I don't, I don't get it. How can you be a part of a body and come and sit and look at the back of, the, back of somebody else's head and, 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 and consider yourself a part of church and never make an extension of, hey, how you, how you doing? You know you're loved? I like that. <laughs> a whole lot. <laughs> lots and lots and lots. <laughs> I talked last week at a church and I said, you know, that I, I, saw, I saw a little... You know, I'm, I kind of follow Twitter, so there, there's this place I follow that's talked about facts. 
Did you know that 85% of the world's population lie every day? You know what 90% of the lies are that are told? When you're asked the question, how are you doing? The response is good or fine. And we don't answer because we don't, we answer like that. You know why? Because we know the other person asking doesn't really care. Am I telling the truth? It matters how you're doing. It matters. You know why? Because God saw you being formed in your mother's womb. Psalm 139 says this. He knit you together on purpose. Jeremiah 1.5 says that before, God, before Jeremiah became to be, he had a plan for God. God had a plan for him. And what the Bible says? That God is no respecter of persons. You know what that means? If he said that to David, and if he said that to Jeremiah, he says that to you and to me. None of us are trash. None of us. But you know what? Life deals us really difficult things. Sometimes we do things that are dumb and mess ourselves up. Sometimes life just throws things at us. And you know what all of us need? Every one of us sitting in this room needs some kind of encouragement, sometimes daily, sometimes momentarily. And we are to be the vessels through which the word of God, the love of God, the grace of God gets transmitted from heaven to the earth. And God intends that we would do that. The message that God gives the people to deliver to a guy named Archippus is this. Be sure. Those words be sure means to understand, to look to, to cause to happen, to see to it, to face it. Some of you need to be told to face it. Face what? Whatever it is. What is it? The thing that's frustrated you the most. The greatest fear that you have. So you need to be told that God, you need to be understand that God has a plan to beware, be aware of what God is doing. Look to it, put your mind to it, make sure that it's going on. The other thing he says is carry out. This means to fulfill or to complete, to make total or to me, or it also means don't stop until it's done. Every one of us, every one of us in this room have been known as we were being formed, one Bible says some of us that, that, Bible says that, that we were even known before the foundation of the world. Is that crazy intense or what? Huh? Before you even a glint in your mother's eye. Yeah, way before that. Way, way, way before that. Way, 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 way before that. Lucky I didn't, wasn't in my... Be sure to carry out, and that's what he says, is the ministry. Ministry is this, a place of service, a mission, an opportunity, an open door. He says, listen, God created something for you. Be sure to carry it out. Be sure to walk through it. Pastor Bill Rowe, Uncle Bill, talked a couple weeks ago here at this platform about the open door ministry God had created. Listen, wherever God's called you to, whatever God's doing in you, be sure you follow it completely through. The book of Revelation, there are seven letters written to seven churches on purpose. Here again, Jesus delivering special messages to specific groups of people. He tells them over and over again, he who endures to the end, he who overcomes. I mean, it's over and over. And what we're doing, we're infamous for this. We're infamous for starting stuff. We're not very good at finishing you know why? Because things happen along the way. 
Storms happen. Frustration happens. Conflict happens. Sickness happens. Frustration happens. Job problems happen. Water leaks happen. Cars break down. Appliances go on the blink. And we aren't letting little things get us. The Bible tells us this, that the work of Antichrist, okay? Let's not get creepy, okay? The Bible says that at some point in time, there will be this world government that will exist, okay? Where this one dude who is, who is a, a facsimile of the person of Christ, but a counterfeit, will be in charge, okay? And it says his job will be this, to wear out the saints of God. I just sound like some really profound preacher, didn't I? Did you hear I said God? God. Did you catch that? I didn't know where that came from. God. I feel like I should have on some, some robe or something right now. You know what I mean? God. Um, that's completely weird. Because I am totally not that guy. Where was I? Anyway. See, I told you I need reminders. <laughs> Perfect example right there. Wearing out the saints. Thank you very much. I need all the help I can get. See, I got encouragement over here. Perfect example. Wearing out the saints. And the Bible says this. In 1 John, it says the fear of Antichrist is already unleashed. You know what I mean? Already he's trying to wear us out. Already he's trying to mess us up. And he'll cause all kinds of things to happen on the journey. And he wants to see to it that we don't accomplish what God's called us to. Really, he wants to see to it that we don't make it. Here's a very important piece of the puzzle. Some of you are wondering, what am I called to? Listen, let's do this. Let's start doing already what you know you're supposed to do. Some of you are looking for this grand, big, grandiose vision thing from God. And you know what? God's saying, you've got a neighbor. Talk to him. God's saying, pray. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I've got time for that. But you'll sit in front of the TV and watch every baseball game coming and going. You know what I mean? Do what you already know you're supposed to do. Here, listen to me. Romans 12 makes this perfectly clear. Romans 12, 2 reads like this. Don't copy the behavior of the world, the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now listen. He starts with behavior. Don't copy the behavior. Did you catch that? As you are not copying the behavior of the world, which means you're copying the behavior of the Word of God, the person of Christ... You get the difference? As you are doing that, he will then at that point begin to renew your mind. Other words, you're responsible for what you already know. Some of you are stifled because you don't already do what you know you're supposed to do. You know you're supposed to love your spouse above everything else, yet you got that crazy hobby. And you'll spend 85 hours a week on that thing and forget you got a spouse. You can't find the plan of God by just ignoring the things that are really important. Are you hearing me? Huh? You can't do that. Some of you know you should be praying, but you don't. If you think God's going to reach down and and like grab hold of your shoulders and force you down to your knees, you're crazy. Because he doesn't want what we said up on the screen. He doesn't want obligation. He wants love. That's the reason he created us in the first place. He wants you to want to. Now he'll create circumstances where you look like looks like you have no choice. But I find certain people, they keep hurtling over those circumstances. They keep going where they're going. Find a way to climb the scale of the wall. Get past that one. Never change nothing. Never lean on Jesus more. Just keep doing the same old thing over and over and over again. Wonder why life's chaotic. 
<laughs> told you I'm kind of wound up, right? He says, don't copy the behavior and cuts of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The next line says, then, after you're not copying the behavior of the world, after he's begun to renew your mind, then you will learn, how to, know, you will learn to know God's will for you. That which is good and pleasing and perfect. Can Paul make it any more clear? Some of you have been trying to figure out the will of God for your life for a long time. And he, he keeps shoving at you the very basic of, of, of fundamental things, and you keep looking for the big thing and running right past it and wondering why you're in the fog and wondering why you're in the mud and wondering why you're in the, You know what? We need to simplify. You know why? So we can see what we just really need to do. There's some very basic things that are written in black and white in Scripture that God anticipates and expects of us. If we keep looking for the big thing and don't be faithful to the small thing, we're never, ever going to get there, ever. Here's the other part of it. You can't act like it's just something somebody else thought you should do. He said the Lord gave it to you. Can I say something to you? God's the one calling you. It's not me. It's not the children's ministry asking for volunteers. It's, it's, not, it's not anybody. It's not your mama hoping you'll do things right. It's not your daddy trying to live his life through you. It's not it. It's God saying, listen, I got something for you. I'm handing this to you. I'm the one who wants to see you grow to be everything I saw you being from the beginning of time. I'm the one with my hands open wide saying, here it is, take it. The Lord gave it to you. Wasn't me. Wasn't some church leader. It's God saying, listen, there's a new place for you. It's God saying, listen, I have plans and purposes you've yet to discover. Listen, I'm going to hand some things to you. Do what I've already asked, and we'll keep walking this journey together. Let's prioritize the things that are really important, and we'll get somewhere together. That's what he says. You know what's wrong with us? Our lives are way too muddy and way too complicated. We prioritize lots of crazy things that matter, don't matter to oil of beings. All kinds of things. I mean, all kinds of them. All kinds. I mean, it's... sometimes you find yourself when you're doing what God calls you to do in a pickle you can't get out, you think you can get out of. I know whereof I speak. <laughs> if you'd have talked to me all about 2009, 2010. I was going, Jesus, just give me the exit door. Show it to me. I'll just walk. I'll just go. It ain't worth it. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a scrub. I'm second string. I don't know. Please help me. I'm just a mess. I heard Andy Stanley say in the last couple of weeks, let's do a podcast. He says, he said, what he always goes back to is this. Lord, you got me into this. You're going to have to be the one to get me through it. And I have, I, have, I have learned over the course of weeks and months and now years to make that my cry. I didn't get me into this. He got me into this. All I said is, Lord, I'm here. Use me. And there were days I was like, Jesus, just stop. You can stop now. <laughs> the worst thing we can do at this moment 
of our lives is to quit. The worst thing we can do at this moment in history is to stop. The worst thing we can do at this moment, who, who are you talking to? I'm talking to all of us. We have to live in such a way that there is no other recourse. It's heaven or bust. There is no other way. I'm leaving everything else behind. I'm like those guys. Was it DeSoto? Which guy was it? One of those, one of those uh, I think it was DeSoto. He, he was one of those, those explorers. And he gets his dudes across the ocean. And they're threatening mutiny and all this other stuff after it took them forever to get across the Atlantic to get to the New World. And he gets them into the harbor and they start to get ready to get off on the lifeboats to get to shore. And he says, dudes, torch the ships. We can't quit. We cannot go back. We can't. You know why? Heaven is for real. You know why? There are other Lowell Joneses in our lives who, us being yielded to the mission God gave us, absolutely rely upon us showing up at the right place at the right time. That's why. We can't give up. We can't give in. We can't stop. You know why? Because it's not about us. It's always been about him and them. It's always been that. Love the Lord, you love all your heart, you might know your soul, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, that's the two greatest commandments there are. It's always been that. Always. And we muddy the water because we're doing all kinds of other things and we forget the priority that God gave us a mission. We forget it. We get caught up with school. We get caught up with work. We get caught up with landscaping. We get caught up with shopping. We get caught up with football. We get caught up with soccer. We get caught up with... And it's just, I just say, you know, there's all this stuff going on. And we're walking right past people that God's probably intended for us to stop and share him with. And maybe we share the gospel in a five-point deal, and maybe we just say, you know something, I'm praying for you. And maybe we just reach up and we hug them when nobody else will. And maybe we do have to sit down with them and, and go through the affairs of their life and say, listen, there's one who's greater than you who wants to pack the burden for you. I can introduce you to him. Maybe it's those things. But we have to understand, it wasn't just us that created that. God himself gave us the chance. Not because we're anything. Because of his grace. All of us in this room at this moment have sinned and fallen toward the glory of God. And if we would take a poll or play a video up here of our last week of our lives, all of us would have reason to be ashamed and guilty about something. Every one of us. Some thought we had, some words we spoke, some things we entertained, whatever it was, we, all of us would be like, oh my goodness, <laughs> who is that guy? He says, listen, join me in this journey and I'll make more of your life than you could ever make it. And I don't mean it will be easy and I don't mean it will be comfortable. In fact, he probably means quite the opposite. He probably means it's going to be a little bit hard. There are going to be obstacles you're going to have to climb. You know Why? You know why? Because I want to get glory for your life. I want to get glory for what goes on. And I show myself the greatest when you look the weakest. Brian, you sent me a text last, last week sometime. It said something to the effect, if mountains had smooth sides, there'd be nothing with, with which we could climb on or something like that. Is that what it said? It's supposed to be rough. As we're climbing this journey, there's going to be rough edges and difficulty and strange things go on. 
Those are the very things that give us a place to grab a hold of Jesus. I think another one. You ever seen rock climbers? They're absolutely bizarre. I like the repelling thing, Jim, because you can get down really fast. That rock climbing stuff, that's just torture, man. I don't know anything about that. That looks like, dude, why would you even try? I don't even know. Ah! But you know what? It's a lot like life. There's this place we're trying to get to. And it seems like we, at days, there are days we can just barely hang on. And there are days where we slip. Now in rappelling, I don't know how it is in rock climbing exactly. I'm sure it's probably very similar. There's this rope and this harness that's wrapped around you that's tied off on something stable. You know who that stable thing is? The Bible calls Jesus the cornerstone. And at the bottom, there's this person who's meant to make sure you don't fall all the way down. And when you're getting ready to fall, you scream, ah! And before you come over the edge, you go, on rope, and they go, on belay. You know what that means? I got you. You know what? We're carrying out this ministry God gave us. We didn't know that Jesus is, we're tied off on Jesus, but at the same time, there's somebody who's going to give a good stern jerk on that rope so we can't descend any further than we're supposed to. Are you hearing me? Or any faster than we're supposed to. We need those words of encouragement. We need that person at the bottom going, I got you. This far and no farther. I hate heights. I despise heights. I was doing something in my house like the day after we got back from vacation. The day after? I don't remember. I had to come up with a ladder to get on my garage. And now I just hate that transition from the ladder to the roof. You know what I mean? I just like, oh. <laughs> And then I felt, I got up, I was like, I'm up here. And I thought, dude, you got to get back down again. Oh, my goodness, really? Really? <sighs> and the only people on the ground were little people. <laughs> One of them was about that tall. Blonde hair, blue eyes. Uncle Ann, Uncle Ann, get down off the ladder, dude. Please get down off the ladder. But we need to know that there's somebody there that's going to jerk on that thing and give us just what we need when we need it and not let the rope go any further, not let us come down any further. Jesus is the one we're tied off onto. Jesus is the one who's going to make sure that there's not complete destruction in our life. There's going to be people there who jerk on the word of God, jerk on us and say, listen, that's it. It's always for his honor. It's always for his name. And that's all it's really all about. That's it. You may not be in a position where you think you're much of anything. You're not. First Thessalonians 5.24 says this, God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. Maybe right now you can't see your life turning around. Maybe right now it looks too deep, too hard, too difficult, too dark. Maybe right now, but listen, there's a, there's a God who's calling your name. He says, I'm faithful. I know in one place in 1 Timothy, I think it's 1 Timothy, one of those books of Timothy, Paul writes, he, when we are faithless, he is faithful. Oh, that's so beautiful, man. When we are faithless, he is faithful. One day we'll hear words at the end of our journey, at the end of our lives. 
And it won't be mom or dad. It won't be Pastor Aaron. It won't be, you know, grandma or grandpa. It won't be uh, our coach. It won't be our boss. It won't be anybody else. We'll be standing before Jesus, and he'll have the chance to utter these words, hopefully. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Here's the deal. The only way we can get there is in his power and his strength. Places he says, I know you're weak, but I got you. I know you're weary, but I'll give you living water. I know things aren't right, but I'll make them right. I know, I know, I know, I know. And he tells us over and over again. 2 Timothy 1, 9, 11 says this. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. The word holy doesn't mean ceremonially clean. It does in the Old Testament. It doesn't mean that in the, in the New Testament. To be holy in the New Testament means this. You recognize there's a God who's called your name. You align yourself with him. His righteousness overtakes your life, and he gives you a purpose by which to live. So to be holy means this. I found God's plan and God's purposes for me, and I'm not letting anything else get in the way. You know what happens? As a result of being locked in on that, we stop doing silly things. That would make us ceremonially unclean. Being ceremonially clean is not the point. Following the plan, the purpose of God is the point. Are you hearing me? There's grace for the things that mess us up. But as we walk closer to Christ, hopefully the, the, the plan and purpose of God becomes more and more crystallized. And we, we just stop doing things we used to do because we got, too much, we got our mind focused on too many other things that God got us doing. Too many important things. And now he's made all this plain to us by appearing... By the appearing of Christ Jesus our Lord. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. Listen, if you're here this morning, you don't know Christ. The Bible tells us that without him, you live in a state of death. But the Bible says here, he broke the power of that. And he illuminated a way for us that leads to mortality through this good news that, we, that we're talking about right now. You don't have to have your, your act together. In fact, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are messed up, you'll find rest. Is that good or what? Huh? That's a great deal. And God chose, Paul said, God chose me, he says, to be a preacher, an apostle. And this good news. Paul didn't make a choice on his own. Paul, Paul, Paul waited for the power and the strength of God to, to, to set him into that. Can I tell you, could you do something? Keep the main thing the main thing. This, those words are not just for Paul the apostle. Those words are just not for the, the pastor of the church. Those words are just not for the missionary. Those words are not just for the evangelist that you guys hear and, and read and, 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 and hear on the radio or the TV or wherever it is you hear. Listen, 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 listen. Those words are for every one of us. Paul the apostle who, who gave this encouragement to a guy named Archippus right, speaks this in Acts chapter 20. He says, my, worth is, my, my life is worth nothing to me. Nothing. Unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That is the great commission. The great commission is to every one of us who believe. And Paul the apostle, who had so many things going on, said, listen, I don't count. My life is useless. It's not worth anything. Unless I finish what God's given me to do. Well, so what's the ministry God gave each of us? Number one, honor him. Our lives should honor him completely. 
And we should at least seek to do that on a daily basis. We're going to fall short. That's not always going to happen with every moment, every circumstance, every situation in life. But we should seek it. What else? Proclaim the gospel. All of us, at every opportunity, ought to be doing that as followers of Christ, if we are followers of Christ. Second, thirdly, help people grow in this thing called the gospel. And that's something we must do continually through enduring relationships. You know why you need to prioritize? Because the best thing you're ever going to be to another person is a brother or sister in the Lord. And if you're running here, there, and everywhere, that cannot happen. Your mission is to make other disciples. The way you make disciples is it just takes time and energy and effort and space and opportunity. And if you just keep your life so busy and the schedule so ate up and you're just running like this, that's never going to happen. And I'm here today to be like Paul and say, listen, be sure you accomplish the mission God gave you. And your mission probably isn't every other thing that's on your list to do. And I know those are hard words, but our life, it gets so complicated and it gets so messy and there are so many things going on. It doesn't take anything but a clue and Satan blows us off the track right now. Your job as a follower of Christ is to honor him. Your job as a follower of Christ is to proclaim the gospel anywhere, everywhere, all the time when God gives you a chance and, and to help other people grow in him. Over the next several weeks, you're going to hear about, uh, 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 as God encourages us, how that we, as a body of believers, are going to simplify how we do things. We're going to make things pretty clear. And you know what that means? Some things, when we've done things, aren't going to be the same anymore. Because we're going to alleviate the complication. So we can just do not many things, but the thing God called us to do. And when life gets hard, we'll have this one thing we have to concentrate on. Not a bunch of balls we got to keep in the air juggling. And, some of you, so, and for some of you, you know what that means? Some of your pet things that you've liked for many years aren't going to be around anymore. You know why? Because they keep life complicated. For some of you, you should already be doing that. You know why? Because your life is complicated. Your life is already complicated. There ought to be a moment where you go, Jesus, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? You know why? Because we are obligated by, by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit to not just do a lot of things. We are obligated to ensure that number one, people hear the gospel and number two, that they grow in it. And so many of the things we get involved in both as a church and as individuals have nothing to do with that. And we can make all the reasons and all the excuses about why we should and why we could and why they and, and you know what? We're missing it. Time to stop missing it. Time to, time to quit missing it. I'm not going to stand before Jesus one day and go, well, you know, you did a lot of neat things, but you kind of missed what I was really intending for you. Oh, you were busy, Aaron. Way to go, buddy. But you know what? There was that neighbor across the street you were so busy, you never got a chance to talk to him. He moved out right after I sent him into your neighborhood. <laughs> he had a chance. I don't want to be that guy. I just made my wife really frustrated. So did that with my gum. I don't want to be that. 
I don't want you to be that. I don't want you to miss a chance. I want you to be able to, you know what? The mission of God is too important to get lost in everyday life. Read Matthew chapter 13. The seed of God is planted and the, the cares of life choke it out. Choke it out. And if we have a lot of stuff going on, it's real easy for the thorns and the thistles and the weeds to grow up around what God's trying to do in our lives and we miss it completely. Can I encourage you with anything? Everybody else is competing, minimize. So you can be sure. Everything else competes with this one goal. Everything else does. Everything else competes with this one goal of, of honoring God and helping other people grow in Him. Everything else competes with it. Everything else. Not easy. I saw a piece of video this week, or we saw it, where these two men's lives literally collided together. And one dude was in a vehicle that killed the other guy's wife and unborn baby. And they became friends. You know why? Because the one guy kept the main thing the main thing. His job was to be sure the gospel got proclaimed through his life. And the other people around him got encouraged. And it just so happened that for him, that task meant the guy who ran into his wife and unborn baby. He made a statement in this piece of video I saw. He said this, Our lives, to us, look like three and a half by five inch snapshots. But God's got this great big canvas. We've got to stop looking at our lives through this three and a half by five inch canvas and realize it's a part of something much bigger. We have to play our part. That is our three and a half by five. But it fits on a canvas that God's creating. If we begin to look at it like that, then we can prioritize it. Keep all the fluff out of the way. If you came in this morning and you're like, I just need encouragement. I, I came here. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Point well taken. Thank you. See, we're all capable of missteps. All of us are. And I think God does silly things like that just to remind us. This dude doesn't have all his act together. He's trying. He loves Jesus with all of his heart. But there are days my feet slip off the edge. There are days I get things in a bunch. There are days my attitude gets raunchy. There are days I do silly things. There are days where Satan gets better at me than I get at him. There are days that goes on. But you know what? Jesus is still greater. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. If you came in here this morning, you don't know Christ. He wants to know two things. He loves you, and whatever you've done previous to this day makes no difference because he shed his blood for that. And he says, come to me, and we'll make things different. That's beautiful. When he says to the rest of us, I got plans for you. I got plans for you. If you're walking with me, I got plans for you. If you're not walking with me, I got plans for you. Just come walk. And all he says is, I got encouragement for you. There's a place where you can drink living water and not lose heart. There's a place for you where you can grow and you can be all that I want you to be. There's a place where I will speak to the storm and it will be stilled and I will give you a firm place to walk. There's a place like that. 